What up, America? This is Tony with The Real American Outdoors. Uh, alongside Anthony tonight, we are bringing our special podcast. Um, the theme tonight is going to be Freedom and the Second Amendment Under Fire. So, uh, going to be talking a lot of current events that relate to Second Amendment and issues of freedom as a whole. So, a little disclaimer before we get started, this is going to be probably the most political podcast we've done, so if you're looking for the fishing and the tractors and the auto, sorry, this is not might not be part of it tonight. Yeah, it might not, but you could, we got episodes one through three, or four, yep. that it says in the description what we talk about, so, yes, yeah, so plan accordingly. If, yes, if, you know, if you're down for some freedom and two-way talk, you know, we're, we're here for you tonight, so... Get right into it. So first thing we want to talk about is updates in Virginia. I know, I believe it was podcast three. Yep. I talked about the election recap in Virginia, and I half-jokingly said, hey, you know, time to spend that money in your rainy day fund or your savings account, checking account, swipe that credit card, whatever the case may be, because, you know, the storm's coming, and, you know, in the immediate aftermath of, I would say probably about a week later after everyone did all their victory speeches and all that good stuff, that's when it really started, you know, to come down with, you know, the amendments to SB 64 and SB 16 in relation to both the assault weapons and what's an assault weapon, as well as anti-militia activities. So we'll, we'll get into that. Yes, we will. Um, Loaded freedom segment tonight based off events that just happened, you know, as of the taping last night. So, uh, you know, I'm sure you're all, if you're following, you know, the U.S. or maybe not even following, just looking at your Facebook. If you're page, on social media. Yeah, you know, you know what happened. So yeah. we're going to be talking about that, too. And this is, uh, for everyone keeping track, this is, we're uh, December 19th right now. December 19th. So, um, so Virginia... You know, election happened, legislature flipped, governor was already Democrat, and then now we have the, you know, the bills starting to come out and the language in the bills and what's being changed and all that good stuff. So, um, I would say, if, if I'm sure a lot of you go on YouTube, but if you really want to look at the text of what's actually in it, uh, Mr. Guns and Gears channel did a really good video breakdown of what's actually in the text and kind of more of the what it means or what, you know, the legislator thinks it means versus what it actually means and all that good stuff. And Iraq Veteran 8888 also had a really good video breaking down what it says and everything. And, um, you know, we're not going to get into too much about the actual text of the bill, although I encourage everyone to read it. What I really want to get into is more of the the Virginia citizens' response to what is happening there. Yep. Um, you know, we saw the text of the bills come out. You know, we saw all the legislature saying we're gonna we want to push this through. Governor saying he wants to sign it ASAP. All that good stuff. And we saw kind of, and it was kind of somewhat relatable to when we were. When we were Illinois residents and JB took office and then, you know, all the different bills started coming out and nice and, you know, Illinois HB 1469 and 1468, oh, yeah. I, used to, I used to know all those pending bills and amendments and kind of what we saw in Illinois was the, the first 
Zimmerman Sanctuary County. Yep. And that was Effingham County in Illinois, for those of you who don't know where that is. That is it, probably in the bottom third, I'd say bottom third, if you're splitting Illinois and yep. top third, middle third, bottom third, somewhere in that upper part of the bottom third, you know, kind of in there, definitely in the more rural red area of Illinois. Yes, the, yes things do such like that exist in, oh, yeah. in that state. And that kind of triggered other counties that are more downstate rural and to become sanctuary counties. And that sort of had, I would say, I, I think maybe a third or maybe close to half of Illinois counties are actually sanctuary counties. Well, yeah, but well. Yeah. Well, we're going to have to go on every once in a while when you're in a basement. <laughs> yep. So, uh, you know, that got some attention, but, you know, in Illinois, Chicago media controlling the message. It, 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 they made it sound like these are these rogue counties that, you know, are defying, you know, the law that we're proposing. Right. And really, you know, they're just supporting the Second Amendment and the Constitution of the United States is really what it comes down to as yep. opposed to what was happening, you know, in Springfield and Chicago. And so we see in Virginia an area that, you know, historically was red and switched to purple mostly because of people in Maryland and D.C. realizing Virginia is actually kind of a nicer and cheaper place to live than Maryland. We're going to move over there and live there because it's cheaper, but we're also going to take our terrible voting record, or what we call terrible voting record, take what they would call their, you know, their, their values and morals with them in terms of who they vote for at the ballot box. And, you they know, bring it with them. and with the increasing um, dem- demographic switch of more urban areas and trickling to the suburbs of becoming more blue in the areas around Richmond and Charlottesville and the various college towns that we're seeing across the nation, Virginia is no different. And, you know, we saw the legislature flip and... N- but the population is really located in very few areas in that state. It's limited to, you know, Fairfax County and the counties on the Maryland border, Richmond, Charlottesville, and I think uh, um, Virginia, Texas, and Blacksburg. I, I think believe. so, yeah. And there's a couple of counties that are a little more trending blue-purplish on the border with North Carolina toward the coast. But... Uh, for the most part, that state is, you know, you go from urban, suburban to very rural very quickly, especially in the western part of the state where I drive through almost every year, drive North Carolina, is, that's, that's Appalachia. So that's yeah. very rural, you know, you know, internet, we joke about how internet's bad in southeast Wisconsin, you know, I can't imagine how it's up there in the mm, mountains. Right. And so... Those areas are historically very red, and we saw this reaction from a lot of the different counties following suit with that Second Amendment sanctuary and voting on it, holding numerous town halls or public forums where people can come and, you know, stand up at the podium and say what they want to say. And uh, Mr. Guns and Gear has a, uh, he has a Channel 2, which he actually showed a lot of Virginia citizens you know, at these county meetings and giving their thoughts and opinions on the issues. And, you know, if you take a step out of, like, the 
two counties and three or four towns I mentioned, it's it's actually a very, it still is very a pro Second Amendment state. And if very you look at so. go on any Facebook website or Google all the sanctuary counties of Virginia, it's it's pretty close to 75, 80, 85 percent. It's of actually more than that. I just saw it today. Uh, I believe it's eighty six out of ninety four yeah, counties, and, and so. It's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. That's pro, that's almost ninety something percent. I believe, yeah, I believe and so. So it, it keeps on growing by the day. And, yep. All you know, for those except for those sure couple the, counties. I'm sure those counties are and those cities are in those counties that are not. Yep. Either voting or they voted no. Which I believe some of the counties have also voted no. Yeah. So it's great to see the citizens of Virginia being involved, being active. And I was watching Iraq Veteran 8888's video on this topic, and one thing he talked about, which was I never, I knew, but I never took much thought into it, and he talked about the role of the sheriff. Yeah. And kind of where we grew up in living in Illinois versus where people in these more rural areas, you know, the sheriffs, sheriffs are elected officials. They are not... You know, you don't you don't get appointed. You get elected, whatever, you, whatever the term may be. Yep. And you know, living growing up in Lake County, Illinois, yeah, like I remember voting for a sheriff. I voted for the sheriff before, and every yeah. election he was up, and I could vote in. But outside of that, you never really thought about him. Mm-hmm. Like you know who he was because you know he's a public politician, political figure. But you didn't go throughout your daily life worrying about how the sheriff is going to enforce laws in the county, right? Right. Because where we live is very suburban, and more of the local jurisdictions more control everything except for, like, the Fox walkway. Right. Which is mostly sheriff-driven. Yeah. So outside of that, we don't have much involvement with the sheriffs because local municipalities kind of control everything, and we kind of live in the shadow of Chicago. Yep. But he was talking about how... In his experience, where he lives more in a rural area, in a lot of these areas in Virginia, more rural, where the sheriff is actually a more of a central figure in public life for them than it might be for someone like me, where I grew up, or us, where we grew up. Mm-hmm. And so he said, you know, take the if you have the opportunity. He said, take the sheriff's lunch. I don't think that we could ever take. No. If I was like county resident, so I don't think I, I could ever take John Eidelberg to lunch. No. Or nor would he, <laughs> I don't know if he'd want to, but. You know, he said get to know the sheriff and understand that they, you know, kind of understand the more the pulse of the people because they are elected official as opposed to the government bureaucrat who's not. Yeah. And I thought that was a very interesting point. And you also saw a lot of sheriffs. I know the one sheriff was more vulgar, but I'm going to deputize all the people in my yeah, I saw that. county. So it's good to see that the sh- not just the people – but the elected officials in the sheriff's group, along with the county board members, are all supporting the Second Amendment and fighting, you know, fighting politically against, you know, the tyranny that's going on there. Mm-hmm. I don't use the word tyranny a lot, but that's exactly what is happening. Correct. Yep. And then on more of the, back to more of the people side, you know, I talked about media bias and the last thing, so you hear the words the militias are forming, right? Right. And in the in the first um, freedom segment, I talked about the militias and the important in colonial times, and it's amazing. It was that's you know, 1770s, and we're in 2019. You know, 250 years later, and we're still talking about militias. Right. 
and things have not changed there. You are seeing, you know, ex-military guys, ex-law enforcement, just regular and just regular average concerned citizens forming these groups to protect against um, the government tyranny, which also kind of ties into more, you know, you see the, the clickbait articles about, oh, is the National Guard going to get deployed? It's like, no, they're not going to get deployed. No. That's not... <laughs> clickbait. Yeah, that's clickbait. As, you know, as if the National Guard got deployed on civilians to disarm them like that, you know, that, that might... That, you know, we, the boogaloo might be starting sooner than we think. Yep. And I just don't see any governor willing to throw... I mean, I know it's a state, but technically they are federal troops at civilians. It's It hasn't happened in this country since really a gun grab, I'd say probably the 1860s. Yeah. So, I mean, there's been people taking away guns on like an individual basis, but in terms of the federal government going after a band of what they call rebels, yeah, hasn't really happened since really the Civil War. I know people will probably say, oh, look at all the ranchers out west, blah, 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 blah. They have right. the FBI and the feds taking away. Well, not, that's different. Different context, right? Mm-hmm. This is not... This is a battle over constitutionality and the right to bear arms, not necessarily a dispute over land. Even yeah. though they're both equally important in their own right, this is a different scenario. So... I don't think the National Guard is going to be used. I hope the National Guard is not going to be used because no, that's going to trigger. We... That's going to trigger a lot, and that's going to trigger the boogaloo. Yes, and you know, kind of. Why do U.S. troops need to get shot at by c- civilians who are exercising their constitutional right? And you know, I believe it's SB. I want to say it's 64 is the one that's against paramilitary activity and militias and things like that and even rallying and it also trickles down to classes right like teaching a class all of a sudden you have a group of people who are taking a class is that considered a militia is that considered a paramilitary organization mm-hmm. because they're taking a, a basic pistol 101 nra class yeah maybe well, according to them, yes. Yeah, according to them. Unless there's going to be some <laughs> legal disclaimer, you have to say, I am not taking this class to start the boogaloo. Right. Um, but there's also that. And I also heard a lot about, you know, Michael Bloomberg's in the race. Yeah, the president. great. And he pumped in a lot of outside money in all those Virginia races in the, in the state legislature. Yes, he did. And he is, uh, it's, it's, it's showing how much money he has with all the commercials yes. he has right mm-hmm. now. And... And that, why Virginia, right? Well, number one reason, you're in the NRA's backyard. Yep. And for those of us in the gun community, you know, know about all the rifts and all the infighting that's going on between the NRA and the wavering support of how much they actually support, you know, yep. gun rights and what they say and what they actually do and what the people view them as. The average Joe who's, you know, in the middle, not really leaning one side or the other, always knows the NRA. The, the acronym rolls off the tongue. They're historically been the biggest. They are the biggest in terms of money and membership. So what? even if we don't agree with what they're doing, to the average person, that name carries a lot of weight. Right. And 
where Bloomberg to pump in the millions of dollars he did and Soros and all those guys where the NRA only pumped in a few hundred grand, you know, that's a slap in Blue, that's Bloomberg, you know, you know, beating up the NRA in their own backyard. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which I believe they're in Fairfax. Virginia. I think, yeah, it's Fairfax. So, you know, beating the NRA in their home state, you know, that's his political and moral victory. So that's what's going on in Virginia since our last podcast. Kind of, unfortunately, what I said has come true. But the great news, the response from many of the citizens of Virginia both elected officials and, you know, the citizens there have, you know, it's been great to see in terms of sticking up for your Second Amendment right where, you know, where you really need to. And I'm sure gun stores have their inventory flying off the shelves. Yeah, politicians are the greatest gun salesmen. Yes, they are. So kind of transitioning that, you are also starting to see the Virginia blueprint be moved on to other areas of the country as well. Um, Hickok45 on YouTube posted, or on Facebook he posted about, you know, some Virginia person, Democrat state legislature, proposing similar gun law in Kentucky. And you're seeing the governor who now wants to overturn constitutional carry, which just passed about a year ago in that state. So that's yep. going to be something to watch. Um you know, and also, now that the, the, the Democrats have learned the Virginia blueprint, the next state I'm concerned about, you know, obviously Kentucky's up there, yeah. Georgia, yep, Texas. Yeah, I am too. You see all this crap going on. All this crap's going on in Texas. I talked about numerous podcasts, the demographic shift, the immigration, where people are living, how people are voting, and... If trends are going the way they're going, Texas will be blue before 2030. Yeah. And that's, that's screwed up. And, and that's just screwed up mightily because for whatever reason, you know, suburbs are starting to go blue. And you got the border there, which, you know, very uncontrollable. And it's, it's not looking good. And it seems like every election since 20, you know, 2010, 2012, yeah, the GOP still held the majority in the state house, the state senate, the House of Representatives on the federal level, and you know the state, you know, executive branch and the and the and the senators there. But you know, Beto had four million votes. Yeah. Yes, he did. Against Ted Cruz. You know. That's screwed up. Think of in Texas. That's t- yeah, in Texas, in about Texas, all places. This is the dude who's on the TV saying. Hell yeah, we're going to take your AR-15. And he ran in Texas and got 4 million people to vote for him. Yes, Ted Cruz had like 4.2 million. But still, 4 million people voted for the gun grabber in Texas. I know there's more than just guns to elections. I I get that. But it's, it's scary. And they've learned how to do it in Virginia. And hopefully the GOP will wake up and we'll learn we're not... We shouldn't be the party of just, you know, people who work on a farm and people who, you know, hang out in country clubs on the weekends. Yep. Need to expand the base, you know, get the conservative movement out there, pro-freedom, pro-two-way, all that good stuff. Right. So, you know, that's, we see that trickling to the other states. So, not great. But the good news is, you know, the people, 
you know, I was I lost a lot of faith in people leading up to 2016 because one people liked Hillary a lot, and two people like Bernie a lot, and those are two different reasons. Yep. And we can get into that in maybe in a later episode. <laughs> but you know, got a little restoration 2016, lost in 2018, but seeing the pushback of what's going on in Virginia, you know, tugging at me a little bit that yeah maybe there's some sensible people out there in these purple states. Right. So. More probably more on that to come. I'm sure that Virginia, the the session doesn't start till January, yes. and everyone's all yep. sworn in and changed out. So almost there's probably gonna be way more podcast updates coming out of that. Oh stuff. yeah, we're gonna have a couple more. <laughs> yeah. So next we're gonna get into our freedom segment. Even though that sounded awful lot like one that believe it or not was not the freedom segment. What? I know. So. Get into the freedom segment. So, for those of you, there's probably a lot of people who were very confused on what happened or thought they knew what happened last night. And specifically, what I'm talking about is the impeachment of President Trump. So, not many people know what this process is, not what it means, even though a lot of us have lived through it. Um, some of us may be a little young to really understand what, it, what was going on at the time. But this is not necessarily that something unprecedented because we've seen it in our lifetimes. And so kind of a high-level overview of how the process works. So, you know, it starts in the House, um, uh, what is it? I think it's the Oversight Committee, I believe. Yep. And I guess even more higher-level Congress, yeah, there's 435 of them in the House, right? But there's all these 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 committees on all these wide range topics, whether it be, you know, spending, the economy, national defense, and anything and everything to run the country. There's all these committees, and this is the committee of you know a certain number of representatives, and you know they do their their debates, their witness interviewing, and then they eventually pass the vote to bring this to you know the House in general for the articles of impeachment. There's two articles, you know, the obstruction of justice and I can't remember if the other one is offhand. Not that it matters because it's going to be thrown out, which we'll explain later. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the House does even more interviews. You know, I'm sure we were tired of hearing all the sound bites and everything and, you know, all that good stuff. And, Pretty much when they're when the House votes on impeachment, pretty much they're saying, I agree this person doesn't necessarily have to be the president, but it's the easiest one. I agree this person violated their off office or they did something illegal and they violated the Constitution. I say they did this. And then so we saw the vote last night. The overwhelming majority of Democrats voted yes, he should be impeached for doing what he did. Because they don't like him. Because mostly because they don't like him. And then you saw all the Republicans and a couple uh, Democrats who voted um, no. So that officially means he's impeached. And, you know, we saw on social media where everyone's like, oh, he's impeached, he's out, he's out of office, you know, no more president. Yeah, to everybody, all the all the headlining people. Yeah, so sorry. You know who you are. That's the wrong answer. He is still your president, even though you might not Oh, like yes, it. he is. And so... What happens next, right? So it now goes to the Senate. So Nancy Pelosi has to hand over the ar- approved articles of impeachment over to the Senate for a trial. So what does that mean? 
So the trial is going to be presided over the Chief Justice of the United States, which is John Roberts. And then the Senate is going to determine the ground, essentially the ground rules for the hearing and the trial. Yep. Which in this case is going to be dictated by Mitch McConnell, who's the majority leader for the Republican Party in the Senate. And then they'll do their trial if we even get there. We might not even get there. They might not even have one. But let's say they do the trial. The, in this case, the defense, meaning Trump will get to call any witness he wants. He could even call Hillary if he wanted to. Yeah. They could call James Comey. They could call Robert Mueller. They could call Joe Biden. They could call Joe Biden's son. They can call anyone they call? and anyone. What I'd love them to do is call everyone I just named. Well, I think what happened. <laughs> no, it probably won't happen. No. But um, maybe we could actually find out how Epstein killed, didn't kill himself. Yeah, right. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so they're going to do the trial, and then evidence is going to be brought both sides, questioning both sides. Pretty much how a normal courtroom trial goes, except this one's instead of a trial by jury, it's going to be senators voting for, we're going to convict him of what the House impeached him for. Yeah. And then if, if you get two-thirds, in this case 67 out of 100, vote yes, he's convicted, he is officially removed from office, and then the vice president, in this case Mike Pence, would be sworn in if that happened. So that process is not a quick process. No. And I would say I wouldn't expect it to start till at least April. Like, this is not going to be quick. No. And it's going to drag out. If they if it drags out that long through election season, and so you're gonna have a weird moment of having you know a president go through impeachment trial and election season, which really hasn't really happened. So no, that's gonna be interesting. That'll be new in American history. Yeah. So um, especially in today's 24-hour media cycle. Mm-hmm. So what do I think is gonna happen? Yeah. So just doing some quick math. There's 53 Republicans in the Senate. There's 45 Democrats and two Independents. The independents are Bernie Sanders and Angus King, who both caucus with the Democrats, and we both know how they vote. <laughs> so, looking at the Republican senators, I don't see any of them defecting. Um, the ones I worry about is um, Susan Collins in Maine, even though she's come out strong against this impeachment procedure. Yeah. Um, we got Cory Gardner, who's a... I guess Colorado would be a blue state, even though it's kind of historically purple. We'll call it blue state because they voted for Hillary. <laughs> yep. And their state, their representatives in the House switched from red to blue. So, you know, we'll see if he stays true to his morals. Um, more of an impact on the election, Tom Tillis, who was a Republican in North Carolina, who was voted in with less than 50% of the vote and tough re-election campaign. I'm assuming he's going to vote no. But interesting to see what happens in terms of his vote on the national stage. Um, you have uh, McSally in Arizona. You know, while that state went red, she lost the election to Cinema in the uh, in 2018 Senate race, but she was appointed to fill the vacant seat left by John McCain. So int- interesting to see. I'm just, I'm sure she's going to vote no, but interesting to see how that affects 2020. Right. Um, on the flip side, you know, you have Doug Jones, who is the Democrat senator from Alabama who won the special election because Republicans decided to nominate the guy who liked his women a little too young, mm-hmm. which, you know, not a great candidate and whoever 
was part of that vetting process. Hopefully never vets another political candidate again. Um, we'll see if he's going to vote on the, his party line. Historically has done, has voted for his party line because he is a Democrat. Even though all the polls are expecting, you know, Alabama to be true and he'd be voted out for any Republicans. So it'll be interesting to see how he votes. Right. More interesting is you got Joe Manchin in West Virginia, who was one of the Democrats who actually voted yes to Brett Kavanaugh's confirmation on the bench mm -hmm. in the Supreme Court. So, and a lot of people say that vote was going to make or break him getting reelected, which in this case he got reelected as a Democrat, even a lot of people. He's definitely the most conservative Democrat in the Senate. Yes, he is. Big NRA guy. He's just more social on some of the, you know, we'll, call, we'll say abortion or, or oh, yeah. women's rights. The women's rights movement, for lack of a better way of putting it, yeah. he's more, more liberal on those topics as opposed to conservative. But he's an NRA member. So, yeah. like, you know, we'll see how he votes. That'll be an interesting one to watch. That being said, I don't see it getting the 67. No. Especially the whole House hung true, including many Republicans who were very critical of him in the House, such as Adam Kissinger from Illinois. Yeah. And a few other people. Everyone, all the Republicans, you know, voted no in the House, which leads me to believe they're all going to vote no in the Senate. So you're looking at at least 53 no's. And the few people I mentioned, you might get 54 or 55 or some red state Democrats in there. Because right. they're worried about re-election when they come about. Yep. So I'm not seeing he's going to be impeached. With that being said, it's most likely going to hopefully not, but most likely will be an ugly, long process. Yeah. So what kind of, even though this has never happened in American history where a president has been going under an impeachment or impeachment trials, while getting during election season what do you think that's like how do you think that's going to change his approach i mean do you think every every anti-trump ad is going to be he's he's getting impeached he's getting yeah. impeached yeah. that's going to be every anti-trump ad which yeah. it, it's going to be so, a softball campaign ad where a lot of people attach who they're a lot of like these house of representative races will attach their opponent to whoever's in the White House or whoever's running for the White House. Right. So that's going to be the big talking point. I know Andrew Johnson in the 1860s, yeah, he was he could have been running for re-election, but the dude was a Southern Democrat when the Radical Republicans had control of Congress post-Civil right. post War, so let's be real. Mm -hmm. yep. But Clinton wasn't running for re-election either. Yeah. So... That this will be in in this news cycle will be very interesting to see how well I kind of know how the media is covering, but how it's the message is used, and seeing the polling as much as we talked about believing the polls in the last you know episode. I believe the polls when historically liberal biased polls are starting to favor Trump. That's really what is getting me excited to see. What people in Wisconsin are thinking, what people in Pennsylvania are thinking, what people in North Carolina and Florida are, are, you know, if you looked at those polls a year ago, it was not looking so hot for a re-election. Right. Break, but, you know, you, you look at it now, people, I think people are starting to realize why people, I mean, modern independents, mm -hmm. center-right type people, 
are starting to realize that this is just a witch hunt and the Democratic Party really has no public policy answers to make the country better and they're just going down this witch hunt. Yep. And it really doesn't matter who it is, who it is right? Donald Trump's just a person. It could have been any other well, that's... Human, be- human being who ran on a populist conservative platform. It's what he stands for. It's this oh, yeah. American se- exceptionalism nationalist pride not necessarily in terms of race religion but pride in country not necessarily in your working class yeah and that's why i love that meme that says they're not after me and it's trump and he's like they're after you yes which is so true yeah on the surface it's like yeah maybe not but but it really is a hundred percent accurate yep they're after the ideology trump's just the figurehead that they can put a face to the ideology and attack and you know, I always kind of funny that now the Democrats are using the Constitution. Yeah, it's it's funny when it works in their favor. They're like, oh, they're like, or when they think it's going to, they're like, all of a sudden, yeah, we or they're they're demanding a fair trial. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Like, like the last one was yep. totally fair. Yep. But um, it's just going to be interesting because you know, it's never really happened recently when with this new cycle and this media, and. I know one of the podcasts I ran through all those lists of congressional districts that, you know, were were red, flip blue, voted for Trump, didn't have a Democrat in, all that all that good stuff. But one of them actually flipped and and we didn't even have to go to the ballot box. Yep. Uh, New Jersey's second congressional district. Um, the congressman oh man, I didn't have the where's his name? Um, New Jersey, right? Yeah, New Jersey's second congressional district. I can't remember his name. I think it's a Dutch last name. Um, looking it up real quick. Jeff Van Drew. Yes, that's him. I knew it was Jeff. I couldn't think of, <laughs> think of the other part. So he kind of ran. He ran a district that Trump won. Republican won 2016 re-election. He kind of ran on kind of this, not necessarily hardcore anti-Trump, but he kind of rode the blue wave. Yep. Um. And if you look at a lot of his policy positions, they really don't line with the mainstream Democratic Party. But he defeated the Republican incumbent rather easily, and he actually switched political parties over this impeachment process. Yes, so he did. That was one of my districts I actually mentioned in that you know long segment I had, and that has since flipped from blue to red, you know, just by the guy switching. And looking at some of the early returns and some of the polling websites, grain of salt, of course, take take those. Yep. But they're projecting he might actually get reelected. So that that's that's interesting to see. And and good to see that. Yeah, isn't actually, that crazy? Yeah. And I saw a few different state um and I'm in Pennsylvania and a few other state legislature representatives actually flip from blue to red because of Kind of where that Democratic Party is heading, which is not in a great place. No. But, like we talked about, the biggest socialist takeover attempt of America. And you, now we are actually seeing a big shot fired across the bow. You know, I, I never thought I'd see another President Peach because it only happens, you know, is it's, now it's the third time it happened, but the previous times were two in 200 years. Yes. Plus years. Um, for those who want to say Richard Nixon, no, he did not get impeached. He resigned before. 
None of the, the House could even do anything to impeach mm-hmm. him. So that, that he did not get impeached. He resigned before that could happen. Even though <laughs> he definitely probably would have and definitely probably would have been removed from office. Yeah. So different scenario as well. But so interesting to see how this will play out 2020. It's only going to get worse before it gets better. Yes, it is. Mitch McConnell's name is going to get drugged through the mud a lot. You're, everyone's going to know who he is. So. Oh, yeah, just just Wade. <coughs> just, just Wade. I mean, January 1st. Yep. Right whenever. Yeah, yeah right over I'm there. Di- I'm dying over here. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, it's going to get ugly before it gets better. Absolutely it is. And we kind of expect that. And especially is going to get ugly no matter what this year because we're an election year. Yeah. And nobody wants to say, like, uh, and, you know, all the liberals or all the blue-leaning people that just hate Trump mm-hmm. are just going to go, uh, they're going to blow this out of proportion. Mm-hmm. And I've been, you know, starting to do more research about it and doing a lot more reading. And I keep on reading a lot more that about the the black vote, right? And right. how historically in the over the since really the Great Depression has been heavy to the left and and we're starting to see not necessarily like it become a fifty fifty split, but coming more to a twenty five seventy five or like a thirty three sixty six. We're trending in that direction. And I think what we're seeing is people in that community slowly, very slowly starting to realize that that party is not out there for them. Right. That they were there to, the, the Democrats using them to create a voting block for them to get reelected to do everything to advance their left-wing socialist agenda. And and it's going to take a little while, but, you know, you keep on seeing numbers, record low black unemployment, and all, you know, more people graduating, graduation rates up, you know, out of wedlock birth rates are starting to lower and um, you know people are getting edu- not just getting educated but using that education to go into the workforce right and so hopefully that can trickle into other areas and so i think you also see democrats realizing that the hispanic population is now the new is now bigger than the black population they're realizing that in terms of voting block in terms of amnesty and integration to create that new voting block for them right and so which is why in the last podcast when i talked about conservatives need to broaden their message of freedom and everything that that needs to happen in this election yes it does and we saw in 2016 trump got the working class but which when's the last time the working class has voted Voted republican yeah but outside of coal miners and not too many Mm -hmm. so we saw that start to flip and now we're starting to see minorities starting to advance very slowly starting to abandon the democratic party and what they stand for and so hopefully that will change hopefully it does change the um the different people voting and it's not just people in suburbs and rural areas voting red even though we need their vote too obviously Mm. so that would be something to look for of you know we're not looking it's the black vote's not going to go toward more toward Republican than Democrat per se, but even if it went twenty percent toward Republican, that's a lot of votes of the Democrats we're getting that are now not. Correct. Which could flip some things. Maybe not statewide, but maybe more in a, a congressional district or two. Yeah. So, absolutely. 
hopefully we'll see more things like that. There's going to be a lot of, we're going to get into a lot of that closer we get there. And of course we're big on second amendment on this, on this program. So, um, we'll look at different political positions of democratic cabinets. Cause obviously we know it on the national level right now. You're, you really have Joe Biden and Michael Bloomberg. That's really what you're left with. Cause you know, most of the people, one, they don't have the pocketbook to deal with it. And, right. and they just don't have, have the political weight that a Joe Biden or a Michael Bloomberg has with their connections, which is not necessarily a good thing for Americans, but it is what it is. So I think really your biggest threat to Biden is actually Michael Bloomberg, who we know him as the biggest threat to the Second Amendment since, God, maybe the Maybe yeah, Maybe. I, I would probably say British. <laughs> British, even though the Second Amendment wasn't officially enacted then. Yeah. The biggest gun, he's probably the biggest proponent of gun grabbing, George Soros, not American citizen, but biggest proponent of gun grabbing in terms of American citizen you've, you've had in a very long time. Mm-hmm. So um, interesting to see how you know that plays out over the course once we get into the primary season and how... The people are feeling. I know Bernie's still hanging in there somehow, and Elizabeth yeah. Warren. Yeah, they're both going to be in there because who are they yeah. appease to? Yeah, and they carry the socialist vote. Yep, in that party, or really, what they do carry is the college-educated, on it, or white, any... white male or female <laughs> who's in uh, student loan debt, but blame other people for their student loan debt. Yeah. That's really, sadly, the Democratic Party is slowly becoming the party. Of people who they've manipulated to be dependent on them, and white people who are in college debt that blame other people for being in debt. Yes. And that's really what the Democratic Party is turning into. Which is pretty much half the people we went to school with. Yes. <laughs> so, which most of those people who went off to college are suburban people. Yep. So, you know, and they moved into urban and suburban areas and unfortunately have taken their... I don't know. Cancel all student debt politics with them. So. Yep. As you see it with your friends or your coworkers or your family. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's unfortunate. Yeah. So. A lot of 2020 stuff going to be ramping up, especially if we turn the calendar. You know, there's a Democratic debate tomorrow night. Yes, there is. Which saw a great meme about how how out of touch the Democratic Party is with the people because they did the debate on the night that Star Wars comes out so <laughs> we'll see who gets more uh more rating star wars or the democratic debate i think i know who i'm yeah i'm, I'm gonna lead towards the uh the star wars <laughs> yes so you know we got a lot of good stuff coming up in terms of second amendment and politics and you know we'll do our own little micro who you should vote for how the nra and goa and all those people do you'll have you'll have the tony cosgrove reo edition of that yeah we'll, we'll make sure you we get that out there, and then not just uh, when we put it out an episode, we'll tell you where to tune in. So yeah. which time slot to turn in, uh, tune into, so you can just uh, kind of get what you want to hear out of it. So yeah. So that's pretty much our America under fire. You know, it's been a little while since we did an episode prior to episode four, and a lot of Second Amendment stuff and the current events stuff that yeah. affects freedom has taken place. So we wanted to truly devote a full episode to it. And I think, you know, we got shot, and even more, just two-way stuff in general, shot shows coming up. So yeah. there's always going to be new stuff coming out, like you saw the Glock 44, 
in 22 long rifle. Yep. So just, <laughs> that, that's weird. It's weird. Weird to say. Weird to look at. So yeah, we'll we'll have some coverage with that for sure. So we'll see all the new stuff coming on Shot Show because everyone's gonna have their latest and greatest things. So we'll yes, see all I the do. new guns and new toys and accessories coming out. Also, you know, I know we keep on saying two way videos, two way videos, two way videos, but we're yes. and, we have we have some coming up for you guys. So I know we've uh, we've been very uh, tractor and fishing and gun heavy. So we have some two way videos coming up for you guys. Yes, so. and. Not just two-way in terms of guns, but, you know, talking about the recent events, you know, getting our battle belt set up, getting, you know, yep, getting our body and armor loadout just, kits. So. Yeah, we're going to show you what we like to do, and obviously there's there's a hundred different ways to skin a cat, so, I mean, this is what we're going to, what we like to do, and maybe we'll give you some ideas on how to set up your own stuff. Yep, so stay tuned for all that, make sure to check us out on Facebook. YouTube, Instagram, Real American Outdoors. Again, you know, we're almost at our 1,000 likes on Facebook for that REO free t-shirt giveaway, so get on the page, hit that like button, go on that YouTube, hit subscribe, hit the bell, hit that follow on the gram, and we got a lot of great stuff coming, and we'd like to thank you all for all the support since this our Real American Outdoors rebranding, relaunch. And yeah, this would not have happened without you guys, and uh, it is crazy how far we've come. When you, it, It's crazy. You take one piece out of a puzzle, and look how quick you can get somewhere. <laughs> yeah, so, so this will probably be our last podcast before Christmas. We are a Merry yep. Christmas people here. Yes, we are. So Merry Christmas to everyone out there from the Real American Outdoors. If you're traveling, stay safe, stay vigilant. Know your gun laws if you're carrying across state lines and how you how to carry. So, always very important. Keep yourself safe, safe, and your family safe. And we'll catch you after Christmas, most likely, and maybe after, maybe before New Year's. Yeah. And after New Year's, we'll. we'll yeah. I think we'll have one more yeah. for the end of the year. Yeah. So and there'll be some in, Mario until bits. we go into. Uh, I think that would be season two for next year. Yep, I think so. So, thank you, everyone, and we'll catch you later. See you guys.